0: This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Haiti's entire history as a nation has been plagued by crisis and further damaged by many American and international efforts to help. But even the most jaded observers say the current unrest is unprecedented.
1: What, if anything, can the United States do? This administration that centers democracy and human right in its foreign policy has an obligation to see The democratic transition through in the country right now
0: is there a path out of the crisis in haiti coming up on a word with me jason johnson stay with us welcome to a word a podcast about race and politics and everything else i'm your host jason johnson ever since its leader was assassinated in 2021 haiti has been plunged into a cycle of violence and despair The capital, Port-au-Prince, has been terrorized by armed gangs that have made daily life nearly impossible. Citizens have seen their neighborhoods and even their homes overrun by bandits. Kidnappings are rampant, and the murder rate is so high that the United Nations estimates more civilians died in Haiti than in Ukraine during the first four months of the year. The disorder has left the nation's economy in shambles. Inflation is running rampant, leaving necessities of life, including food, Out of reach for many Haitians. Leaders of what remains of the government there have been calling on the U.S. and the United Nations to step in for close to a year. But Haiti's past is full of interventions that left its people more poor, more sick, and more in danger of violence and exploitation than before the interventions. What, if anything, should the U.S. and the international community do to help Haiti? And what can be learned from failed interventions in the past? Joining us for more perspective is Patrick Gaspard. He's a former ambassador to South Africa and the current president and chief executive officer of the Center for American Progress. Ambassador Gaspard, welcome to A Word.
1: Jason, thank you so very much for having me on. Uh, I'll add to your introduction of me uh, that I also happen to be a proud Haitian American uh, who is deeply concerned about the circumstances on the ground there and the abiding commitment uh, by the Biden administration as articulated by them to center democracy and human rights uh, in our foreign policy, uh, which regrettably uh, does not consistently seem to be the case in Haiti. The recent history of Haiti seems to lurch from like one emergency
0: to another. What makes this current situation different? And how do you see this as sort of an exceptional crisis, even by Haitian standards? What, what's really different about what we're seeing right now?
1: You are uh, you're an astute student of history, so you know, of course, that uh, Haiti has indeed, from self-liberation in 1804 to, to this moment, uh, lurched from one crisis uh, to the next. Much of it inflicted on Haiti by external forces in the international community. And unfortunately, much of it as well, percolating from within the nation and political tensions that are directly connected to the gang violence that we're seeing on, on the streets now. And that last aspect, Jason, is the distinct uh, thing that qualifies this as unique uh, in the eyes of Haitians and the international community. Your listeners should understand that since about 1993 or so, when President Jean-Bertrand Aristide was returned to power uh, following a a military coup, we started to see the integration of uh, gangs uh, as part of the political Operating infrastructure uh, in Haiti that persisted at at a rather low level for a long period of time. Uh, And then, with the post earthquake presidency of Michel uh, Martelly, we really saw gangs being utilized as extra political forces uh, in the nation. That was radically uh, exacerbated under President Jovenel Moïse, who uh, tragically was assassinated in 2021. Uh, the current um, prime minister, who is de facto also operating as a president, is intrinsically tied to gang leadership in the country. Uh, and many in his circle have been sanctioned by the U.S., Canada, France, Japan, and many others because of the way that they have Thwarted democracy, been involved in corrupt absconding of aid, have destabilized the entire judicial system in Haiti, and uh, have also been implicated in the assassination of the previous uh, president. All of that has led to what can really be described as the devolution of a mafia state uh, in Haiti. What
0: exactly do you mean by gangs have been sort of integrated into government? What's the distinction between gangs and, say, a paramilitary force attached to a certain party, and corrupt cops. What's this sort of gang arm of politics that's sort of, I guess, running rampant through Haiti right now?
1: There are so many pieces to uh, unpack there, Jason. And unfortunately, they all do run through the same stream. Political actors, uh, gangs themselves, uh, and uh, the police force uh, in Haiti. And there is a, a kind of seamless. Uh, consensus of state-sanctioned violence that runs through all of uh, these institutions. The Haitian police force now currently officially has anywhere from ten to twelve thousand police officers. Uh, in reality, there are probably only five to six thousand active police in Haiti right now for a population of eleven million people. Of that uh, six thousand, a very large percentage. I, I won't. I won't say that it's more than half, but a very large uh, percentage have been corrupted directly by senators, by business leaders, those who were around the previous uh, president Jovenel Moise. Uh, They were involved in drug trafficking, and uh, extrajudicial killings uh, in the country this has all been well documented by u.s intelligence uh, and revealed in a hearing held some months ago under the gavel of then the leader of foreign affairs uh, committee in congress congressman uh, gregory meese when when democrats had control of uh, congress uh, and expert witnesses from the intelligence community brave human rights uh, activists uh, in haiti civil society activists delineated in great detail uh, the connections between notorious gang leaders. Americans uh, who pay attention to CNN and other uh, outlets have heard talk of a gang leader named Barbecue, who uh, directly tied to hundreds uh, of killings and broad drug trade uh, in the country and is uh, known to be connected to the previous two presidents uh, in Haiti and uh, many former senators who are now facing uh, sanction. Uh, in the U.S. and the rest of the international community. So you've got a police force that's been corrupted, but other police officers who continue to bravely and with courage fight back against uh, the gangs themselves. Uh, and the gangs should not be thought of adjacent as kind of formal paramilitary uh, structures. They really consist of teenagers, like young men mostly, who lack other economic opportunity, but who have high-powered weaponry at their disposal and at the direction of individuals who have ties to business interests uh, in the country and old political families. We talk about
0: the Haitian government is asking for help, but apparently there's not really any sort of elected government right now. So who's making the phone calls, Patrick, and who would be directing any aid if the united states if
1: some other countries say hey we'll step in you're asking the exact right question here there is no haitian government President Jovenel Moïse, who had exhausted his constitutional term in Haiti and yet continued to enjoy support from the U.S., U.N., and other actors, he disbanded the Senate in Haiti, destroyed the Supreme Court in the nation, dissolved most of the cabinet uh, ministries as well, and led by fiat in uh, the country uh, before his assassination. Following his assassination, there's been no attempt made to reform those institutions, to stand up their original scaffolding. And instead, we have a prime minister, who was appointed days before Jovenel Moïse uh, was assassinated by a president who, again, had exhausted his constitutional term limits. He's named as prime minister. The prime minister comes into office following an assassination that he himself is implicated in. And after some months of support uh, from the U.S., the U.N., from many other actors, he then begins to put out a call to the U.S. and to Canada for some kind of military intervention. He claims that the gangs have exhausted the limits of his ability to govern, to deploy uh, effective policing against them, and that the only remedy, the only prescription here, uh, is an international uh, intervention. Mind you, he's making that call at the same time that he has resisted and delayed entering into a set of transparent negotiations with civil society, with political opposition, about the construction of a transitional government that could then lead to actual democratic elections uh, in Haiti. So you have somebody who's really governing not through the graces of the Haitian people themselves, but because of an illegal appointment that was made by an assassinated president, and through the continued support of international actors who tell civil society actors uh, in Haiti that uh, they have to find ways to make common cause uh, with this person. So that's who's calling for the intervention.
0: We're going to take a short break and we come back more on the Haitian crisis. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of a word slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered a word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about the Haitian crisis with Patrick Gaspard, chief of the Center for American Progress Think Tank. So, you know, the Biden administration has no interest in sending an American force to Haiti. That makes sense. We just pulled out of Afghanistan, given there's just not much of an American appetite for putting boots on the ground anywhere at this particular point. What is you talked about billions of dollars that have been invested in in corrupt regimes in the past. What is the United States actually doing right now? Are they facilitating phone calls between other countries that want to intervene in Haiti? Um, is, is there a sort of international aid being sent? What is the U.S. doing for Haiti right now, if anything?
1: Yes, to all of the above, Jason, there continues to be a stream of international aid, USAID that's led by Samantha Powers, playing a meaningful role in the ground in helping to stand up some safety nets uh, in a country that's had all of its uh, institutions decimated. You know, I want to commend Vice President Kamala Harris uh, in her direct and personal interventions and the determination uh, of the administration to provide support For parts and aspects of uh, the police force uh, in Haiti that are trying to do the right things by uh, its citizenry. But at the end of the day, Jason, the U.S. thus far has not uh, lived up to the responsibility, the obligation that it has to effectively pressure an illegitimate government that it has supported to move into transparent and meaningful negotiations with Haitian citizens, uh, Haitian democratic actors, to get to the restoration of its institutions and to move eventually towards legitimate elections in Haiti. So the U.S. has been involved in negotiations that have taken place uh, in Jamaica through the auspices of CARICOM. Uh, And finally, uh, some weeks ago, uh, after much pressure from the diaspora, uh, Secretary Blinken indicated to uh, Prime Minister Ariel Henry that continued support uh, of his uh, leadership by the U.S. was contingent upon uh, legitimate uh, negotiations. Uh, But we continue to see Prime Minister Henry stall, drag his feet uh, and not make any concessions whatsoever. Uh, And that's uh, that's deeply troubling.
0: Some of Haiti's neighbors say they're willing to step in, but so have some African countries, specifically Kenya. What has Kenya offered to do, and what are some of the concerns?
1: Look, the U.S. uh, and others in the region— are absolutely right that there is a need to invest in stability in Haiti uh, through the capacity of some kind of a security force. I believe that that investment should be made directly in the capacity of the police force uh, in Haiti in partnership with international actors, particularly uh, those who could bring French-speaking security support uh, into Haiti. Let's look at the situation with uh, Kenya. Uh, I think that, you know, they've taken a bold step in offering to lead the international uh, force. Uh, and indeed, it's the only country that has stepped up uh, for Haiti in nearly nine months of this plea from Ariel and Marie. But Kenya's security forces have had a history on civil conduct that should raise concerns and more close attention by the international community and uh, by Haitians. Earlier this year, both Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International reported instances of live ammunition being used against Kenyan protesters leading to extrajudicial killings. At least 11 people were killed and 47 injured at the hands of police in just one protest uh, in July uh, in the western part of Kenya. And these were demonstrations for you know basic transparency in, in the democracy and their own system in Kenya. Kenyans also don't have French or Haitian Creole language capabilities. This is an English-speaking country raising questions about their integration with uh, Haitian police or their ability to appropriately engage Haitian citizens on the ground in an incredibly fluid and volatile set of circumstances in a tough environment. Any foreign troops operating in Haiti, it's going to be important to establish appropriate accountability mechanisms to prevent and or address potential misconduct given the longstanding failure in Haiti to seek justice for rights abuses committed in the country. I'll remind you, Jason, that when the United Nations uh, had security forces uh, in Haiti following the earthquake, that led to a cholera uh, outbreak in, in, in Haiti. Haiti had never had uh, an experience of cholera until the UN security forces came, and it also uh, led shockingly, to sexual abuse of Haitian girls uh, in the capital uh, and elsewhere uh, directly caused uh, by UN security forces. So any troops, whether uh, they're supporting the policing mechanism uh, in Haiti or if they're coming as military support, would have to come at the best not just of an illegitimate, who has been granted uh, no formal support from the Haitian people, It would have to come uh, through a transition where you have the de facto prime minister working uh, in tandem with Haitian civil society, Haitian business leaders and the rest of the international community to express directly the role of that international uh, force, how it's uh, supporting policing in, in Haiti what the end point will be for that force, what the transition of it looks like, and how that transition is connected to the political transition uh, in the country, real power sharing uh, that will lead to transparent and uh, fairly adjudicated uh, elections in the country.
0: We're gonna take a short break. and we come back, more about Haiti's crisis and the international response. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to a word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking about the situation in Haiti with Patrick Gaspard of the Center for American Progress. Over the course of its history, Haiti has suffered through the United States and other interventions that haven't worked out well for the country. UN troops fueled a cholera outbreak, which you just talked about. NGOs and international forces have been implicated in sexual and other exploitations. Everything you've talked about, all of these bad things have happened. What would Haitians whose opinions and perspectives that we can trust? Actually, want what does Haiti actually need from the voices of civil society people on the ground, uh, political scientists, and sociologists who are actually empathetic to and sincere about what an intervention should look
1: like? What what do they actually need? President Biden and Secretary Blinken have both emphasized a need for a Haitian led solution to this crisis. Couldn't agree with them more, but a Haitian led solution to this crisis has to be partnered with the international community because we know and recognize that the international community has played a direct role in the destabilization of Haitian uh, institutions. So it's not as if this crisis was created Uh, in an indigenous fashion, on the ground. There have been internal interventions that have resulted uh, in the instability that exists right now in Haiti. Uh, Haitian civil society, uh, even before the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse, came together uh, and created a broad compact with over 2,000 organizations and created this compact called the Montana Compact that laid out directly uh, and clearly and powerfully uh, how aid into the country Uh, should be managed, uh, should be leveraged for long-term infrastructure building uh, in Haiti, made clear what the mechanisms should be to build accountability uh, on corruption and past acts of violence uh, in the country, laid out a path for the reform of the Haitian constitution. Haitians have been operating under a constitution that was basically designed uh, after the intervention of U.S. Marines a century ago. It doesn't work. Uh, It didn't work then. It doesn't work uh, in modern uh, Haiti. It needs to be reformed before a new government uh, could be uh, stood up. And essentially, uh, Jason, uh, Haitians will be the first ones to tell you uh, that there needs to be some kind of support uh, for policing uh, in Haiti that can restore a basic sense of dignity to the streets of the capital and throughout the country to restore order that then makes economic integration and advancement possible in the country. Haitians want all of these things. They want them in partnership. They want essentially to be heard because they've been calling for these things for a long period of time now. The U.S. has outsized power in Haiti, as do so many others, uh, and they need to be able to leverage that power uh, in the interest broadly of Haitian voices who have thoughtfully, in a very sophisticated way, Uh, laid out exactly what a transition that's partnered needs to look like in Haiti. What are the actual consequences
0: to the United States or even this part of the world if nobody does anything about what's happening in Haiti right now?
1: This is not a future uh, that I like to imagine, that I like to forecast, but I promise you that uh, if there is not political transition uh, in Haiti that takes up the basic democratic and economic aspirations, really basic and fundamental aspirations of the Haitian people, uh, you're going to continue to see destabilization, violence, and uh, the devolution of that country uh, in a way that would lead to more forced migration, uh, more and more Haitians making the tough decision to leave their home, to seek peace, stability, amnesty elsewhere, uh, and that elsewhere uh, will be uh, at the border uh, again in Del Rio uh, or at the shores uh, in Florida that will lead to other crisis here in the U.S. Beyond that, uh, Jason, we should understand that given the history of direct interventions uh, led by the U.S. Uh, in Haiti going back uh, a century. Uh, and again, I'll remind your listeners that that intervention by U.S. Marines uh, 100 years ago was at the behest of a sugar company, right? It's important to, to understand the relationship between how we have wielded our power in that region uh, and particular economic uh, outcomes uh, that uh, prior administrations uh, have favored. That long and deep history that the U.S. has of those kinds of interventions and propping up dictatorships like uh, the Givaye dictatorship has uh, led us to a place where the U.S. has direct responsibility uh, in outcomes in Haiti, can't wash their hands of it. Your listeners should understand that uh, U.S. administrations have supported the illegal continuation of the administration of Jovenel Molise past his constitutional term. The U.S. has endorsed uh, the uh, leadership of and Lee, who again is unelected and operating without a mandate uh, from the people and, who's, and is directly connected uh, to the gang violence in the streets. Uh, and therefore, this administration that centers democracy and human rights uh, in its foreign policy has uh, an obligation to see the democratic transition through in the country right now. Secretary Blinken and President Biden. Uh, have stressed the need for international troops to help stabilize Haiti's spiraling humanitarian and security crisis. Uh, and I would just uh, add that the secretary uh, and um, the president uh, should also emphasize urgently democratic transition as well, because that walks hand in hand uh, with uh, the security crisis.
0: I would like to end these interviews either with good news, something people could be optimistic about, or in this particular case. Something people can actually do. So if there's somebody listening to the show right now, listening to a word, and they're saying to themselves, all right, this sounds terrible. I didn't know that this is going on in Haiti. This does concern me. It's a humanitarian crisis. I care because I care about the world. I don't want people coming to the border, this, that, or the other. What can someone listening to this conversation right now, Patrick, what could they do to assist the people who are suffering in Haiti right now?
1: Fortunately for us, this crisis arrives at a time when we actually have a robust, deep, sophisticated civil society in Haiti that's joined up to an active Haitian diaspora in the U.S. So we're taking up a muscular kind of advocacy, a creative communications uh, around this, uh, and much of it does center on outreach to leadership in Congress, uh, leadership in um, the White House, uh, and uh, in the State Department. Uh, I noted the exemplary leadership of Congressman Gregory Meeks, one of the leaders uh, for Democrats on Capitol Hill uh, on foreign policy. Uh, I believe that uh, congressmen like Meeks and others uh, uh, who are serving, the leaders like uh, Chuck Schumer, who have called for a democratic transition in Haiti, need to be supported uh, in those calls. And I think that positive affirmation of those calls from your listeners, whether it's uh, on uh, social media, Uh, or direct phone calls, letters uh, affirming those positions will be useful uh, for those leaders to be able to carry the conversation to the State Department, to the White House, to the United Nations uh, and elsewhere in support of the Haitian diaspora uh, and uh, uh, Haiti's own vibrant civil society. So, one can affirm as a way of uh, building uh, resistance uh, that will lead to change.
0: Patrick Gaspard is the former U.S. ambassador to South Africa and the president and CEO of the Center for American Progress. Thank you so much for joining us today on A Word.
1: Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate your voice out
0: there. And that's A Word for this week. The show's email is a word at Slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo MacInjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's senior director of podcast operations. Alicia Montgomery is the vice president of Slate Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for Word.